Welcome back to Two Dudes Watch Cartoons, the podcast where two dudes, that is us, watch cartoons. My name is Evan. And my name is Alex, and thank you for joining us again. We got a fun one today. Today we are covering the Disney movie, The Emperor's New Groove. And I just gotta say, this movie was hilarious. I I laughed start to finish. I don't know that I've seen it since it came out, which was in the year 2000. So again, another 20-year-old movie. We're on a real nostalgic kick right now. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it because I've not seen these movies in forever. This one really holds up, in my opinion. I'm not going to lie. I found myself... I'm not kidding. Like The jokes in this movie come so fast. I found myself laughing Mm -hmm. probably... Every single minute of the movie. And if I'm being honest, there was not a ton of plot points. It literally, most of the movie is just joke, 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 joke. And I really appreciated it. For a kid's movie, I was surprised. What It doesn't have like a G rating, a PG rating. I'm not sure. And not that the jokes were like super racy or like, or scandalous at all, but just for like a G-rated movie, there was mm-hmm. so many jokes in this movie. Visual, dialogue, just, I was laughing a ton. I'm, I'm excited to cover this. Yeah, uh, I was just about to say, it, very loose plot. It's not super plot driven. It is more script and gag driven. It yeah. almost reminded me of like Looney Tunes, even though those are yeah. that's more of like, uh, physical, you know, kind of gag comedy, but it's like a mixture of that type of cartoon and and like this really witty banter. So this movie came out back in 2000, December 15th, 2000. It's The runtime is only 78 minutes, which it, it, it seems unheard of nowadays. Everything is I, like know, I was thinking long. the same thing. Uh, when I, I saw looked- the runtime, I was like, oh, I'm going to get through this very easily. Yeah, I texted you at 6 p.m. my time today, and I was like, just starting the movie, and we're recording this now at 7.30, and it fit it very neatly in that time frame. It was phenomenal. They should make more movies in this, like more shorter yes. movies. Not everything needs to be two hours. Not everything needs a post-credit scene. Just like keep it short and sweet. I really feel like that is part of why you watch a movie. Like a TV show, you mm-hmm. can get 30 hours of a TV show if you want to just binge, 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 binge. But like, this was fun, exciting, and like, it didn't, it didn't slog on. Like, it, it wasn't, it wasn't trying to be anything it wasn't. You know what I mean? It was like, we're not trying to change the world with this movie. We are strictly trying to make you laugh. And they did. They made me laugh yeah. a lot. Let's get into the voice cast, though, before we get into too many of the really funny moments, because this has a st- amazing voice cast a stunning voice cast well right off the bat as soon as the movie started with Cusco's narration i was like god damn it is that david spade you didn't know i knew i see i I knew it was david spade (laughs) no i knew right away it was david i remembered from a childhood that i i don't remember what movie i would recognize david spade from as a child but I, i i put the two together i guess he was coming off of like his SNL run and his 90s movies with Chris Farley. 
Yeah, um, because, you know, six-year-old me was watching Black Sheep. No, I, I, maybe, <laughs> who knows? But either way, David Spade is the lead, and he's like perfect for like a snobby emperor because david spade is i don't like <laughs> that much i don't know why i just i just don't <laughs> do you watch bachelor in paradise at all i know the answer to that is no I, but no, david spade was a guest host and one of the girls <laughs> came up and was like oh my god i'm so excited to meet you and he was like do you even know who i am and she goes dave Chappelle, right <laughs> <laughs> I thought that, that was pretty funny. That is an insult to him, but more so to <laughs> Oh, man. But yeah, I guess you're right. He 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 is a little snobby and like mm-hmm. bratty. His voice was literally perfect for Cusco. Like, it's perfect I, for Cusco. Yeah. It, it was such a fit. It was such a good fit. But that isn't the only major voice we have in this. His number two is Pacha. And Pacha is voiced by John Goodman. John Goodman's been in a, mm-hmm. a medley of things. I, I couldn't even know where to begin besides the air conditioner repair school from Community. He's the dean. The of Connors? The, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Roseanne. I never watched the Connors, though. I did watch Roseanne. He's great. He's a perfect voice for Pacha. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm saying. Is mm-hmm. literally all of the voices fit so well. And then we have Krunk, who is voiced by... Patrick, is it Warburton or what's his? How am I saying his last name? Warburton. Warburton. This man is a legendary voice actor. I didn't know his name until, like, I looked it up today. But no. I've heard his voice everywhere, literally yeah. everywhere. And it's one of those voices that's always stuck to me. And it's like I should really look up that guy's name because I love all of his work. He is Joe Swanson in Family Guy. Yep. He had a role, I think, like Doctor Barkin or Coach Barkin or something in Impossible. He's the narrator in series of unfortunate events on Netflix. He played the tick in uh, a live action series in the nineties. He was the tick. Uh, This man. He's also in Seinfeld. Yeah. And as soon as you hear his voice, it's instantly recognizable. What do you say? Goose go. Yeah. It's real deep and (laughs) he talks with a lot of gravitas. Sounds like he's, Thinking a lot, it kind of holds. He somebody. sounds like it's he's so your good. like high school football coach. <laughs> yeah, I can totally hear it. And man, before we move on to the other, I really think he was one of the standouts in this movie, both voice oh, yeah. acting wise and character wise. Crunk was amazing, and then mm-hmm. the the main villain Isma is voiced by Eartha Kitt. The legendary Eartha Kitt. And it's so funny because literally just a couple days before, I watched Holes, where I did not realize Eartha Kitt plays Madame Zeroni. And so I was kind of shocked. I got a double dosing of of Eartha Kitt this week. Wow. This is my hot take. Actually, it's not even a hot take. It's just a, a, a blind spot. I've never seen Holes in its entirety. Whoa. I don't, I don't even know that I've read the book, to be honest. Whoa. <laughs> That is pretty shocking, if I'm being honest. <laughs> like, I feel yeah. like that's like part of childhood. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do with that information. I kind of am judging you. Okay, but Eartha Kitt plays Madame Zeroni in Holes. You should watch uh-huh. Holes if you if you have not like Evan. It's a great movie. But first, you should watch Emperor's New Groove because this movie was so goddamn funny. And what I realized is, so the we've just listed off the four main characters, as I would call them. Is this film is like two different buddy cop movies. You have yep. you have Isma and Krunk 
who their dynamic is hilarious. But then you also have Pacha and Cusco, the main characters. And they just play off each other, their, their opposite characters so well throughout the whole movie. Oh, yeah. Um, one, thing, one thing I wrote down is, like you said, it's basically a, 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 a buddy road trip movie with these two pairs. But the Pacha Cusco storyline is basically like the plot of Shrek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Older gruff guy and, uh, and livestock heading back to the castle. And livestock. Um, <laughs> I didn't know where you were going is, with that. Yeah, so you're like yeah. a llama and then a beefy dude. <laughs> so I was listening to a song before we started the recording. And the reason I was looking yeah. it up is because after the brief introduction, there's like an introductory theme song all about Cusco and how awesome he is. And it's this big, jazzy, like pop bombastic number. It's really upbeat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this this reminds me of like a Tom Jones song. And wouldn't you know, I look it up and the song is sung by Tom Jones. What's oh, your pussy cat? Which is, <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah, that, that Tom Jones or it's not unusual. He sings the song. And it, it it's a great introduction. It literally sounds like a You're... Tom Jones. I mean, it is a Tom Jones song because he sings it, but it, <laughs> it sounds like a Tom Jones song. It was identifiably. It yeah. It sets wow. the tone of like how chauvinistic Cusco is. But yeah, yeah. He's, he's, a vo- he's the theme song guy. We discussed a few of these Disney movies, or specifically Lilo and Stitch. We discussed Lilo and Stitch being not your traditional Disney movie. And I really think this is also not your typical Disney movie. It, it wasn't about like finding love or the battle of good versus evil. It was literally just a road trip buddy movie and about a, a, a bratty, snotty emperor learning a little bit of kindness. And it's, you know what is so funny? Like skipping around, Cusco did not have huge character development. It was a very mild, <laughs> like, it was a very little bit like, Oh, he's a little bit. He's got like basic yeah. human decency now. He decides not to gentrify uh, Pacha's village. <laughs> that was the first thing Nikki and I said when he brings in Pacha. He was like, okay, I'm going to knock down your whole village to build Cusco-topia, which is just his summer home. It's literally gentrification. I literally was like, yeah, uh, oh my God. <laughs> if you were to just look at that 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 like first five to 10 minutes of the movie before Kronk and Yzma are introduced. Cusco's is the villain. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Set him up yes. As the villain. He's so, an asshole of the movie. Yeah. It's very much not a typical Disney movie. And I was super skeptical when you brought this movie up and I was like, I don't know if I really want to watch Emperor. I can tell movie. you were skeptical. And I was like, no, this is, this one slaps. But you sent me that TikTok, which changed my mind about its production journey, this whole this movie, and how it started out as a more textbook Disney movie. And if you go to Uh Wikipedia and you read about its production history, it's a wild ride. So it's directed by what ended up coming out is directed by Mark Dindle, but originally it had the Lion King director attached to it. And its plot was, it was still kind of set in the same place and time period, but the plot was more about a prince finding love. I think there was still the llama element, but there was like, it was. So the plot I read was 
that it was like a llama farmer and a prince switch spots. Yes. Yeah. Which is a typical, I, I can't think of the movie where that's been done, but royalty, it's like a parent trap almost. It's like the, the high-end one switching with the low-end one because they want to see how the other side lives. And you're right, that sounds so Disney. And somewhere along the production scale, they like lost all of that writing and they got to this movie, <laughs> which is so different. Yeah, so I read into it. It's because they were worried coming off of movies like Hunchback and Under Dame and Pocahontas, which I guess didn't, which both seem like classics in my mind. Yeah. Uh, but I guess they, they didn't, didn't do sell too that hot well. at the box office. Disney was worried about going th- down that path again. And so they went more comedic route. This movie is also, according to Wikipedia, kind of a box office disappointment. It was made on a budget of $100 million. It grossed 160, 170 million. So uh, it made its budget back. But so little. <laughs> wasn't stellar for a Disney movie, right? Yeah, um, that makes sense. That makes sense. Owen Wilson was also attached to it mm-hmm. at some point. So David Spade was all, always going to be in the cast, but Owen Wilson was attached to it. Sting was. They even have lines oh, really? of Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson did a lot of recording for it. Wow. Wow. Um, what? <laughs> Yeah, Sting was going to do the whole soundtrack a la like Phil Collins in Tarzan and they do close out with the Sting song they got Tom Jones instead (laughs) they got Tom Jones I just I I think like you said that's part of this movie's charm is Mm -hmm. I think it was supposed to be something very different it was supposed to be like in the Inca Empire and it was supposed to be more like a Pocahontas the Lion King how they're doing these like slice of life's all around the world, different culture type things. And while the Inca empire culture is a little prevalent in this movie, it is not anywhere near the focus. If that makes any sort of sense, this movie yeah. is just like, it's more for strictly like comedy purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So introduction to the movie. Mm-hmm. I like that. Cusco is the narrator. Right out of the gate, you start picking up on like his 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 narcissism. How much mm-hmm. he's like this story is about me. I'm the victim. Blah blah blah. But then, like you said, we get into him just being an asshole before we meet the actual villain of the story. <laughs> and you're like, is this guy lying to me? Was it, how is he the victim here? And so he's gonna gentrify Pacha's house. He's going to <laughs> knock it all down. And and. He just has like no remorse. He's dancing. He's dancing to the Tom Jones song and he bumps into the old man and he goes, uh, you threw off my groove. And he just throws this man out a goddamn window, which Mm -hmm. at the end, he has a really funny line when he goes, he's like, "Eh, it's not the first time I've been thrown out a window and it won't be the last. Like every part (laughs) of this movie to me was so funny. I can't wrap my brain around just like how much joy the lines gave me. They were so funny. The timing, the the actual writing itself, the visual gags they had, just throwing mm-hmm. lots of people falling. I don't know why, but like that was funny to me. And I'm I'm 28 years old. It seems so juvenile, but it is funny yeah. watching it now. That old man, he has this line that I wrote down because it was oddly profound. He goes, I, I threw off the emperor's groove, you know, groove, the rhythm by which he lives his life. Yada yada yada. I was like, it's a really great the rhythm by which he lives his life. What a great way to describe it. No, and that's that is literally and the emperor's groove 
up until this point is like, I'm going to be an asshole and do whatever I want. And so he does, he gets a new groove in this movie. So it's, it's aptly Mm -hmm. named. I like that. He gives us that little description. And I think that's really, I really like that the rhythm in which one moves through life. Cause now it's kind of got me examining like, what is my groove? What does my groove look Mm -hmm. like? You know what? It's kind of a sluggish groove. So maybe I need to change that, (laughs) but yeah, it's a really strong start to the movie because like I said, it's not bogged down in much plot exposition you get very quickly. Isma is what? What would you call that when like the emperor is like meeting with the peasants? I don't even know. Like he's like hearing out their problems, a la Daenerys. Like, oh, your your yeah, dragon yeah. burned my goats. I don't know. holding court. I don't. I don't know. Yes. Yeah. I yeah. It was yeah. Really funny so, in the in in the intro song, he has he has a stamp for kissing babies. Yeah. <laughs> it's a small <laughs> gag, but I really. I really love that's what I'm saying is if you blink and you will miss a good joke in this movie. Mm -hmm. And so like, I I didn't even remember watching that and I just watched the movie. And so that's funny. I just love the emperor, like the depiction of him being an emperor is like a little bit of like being a shitty boss when he, so Yzma's Mm -hmm. holding court on his behalf and she's got a great line where he's like, she was like, what is it you came here for again? And he's like, food. And she's like, you should have thought of that before you became a peasant. And it's like, obviously, one doesn't decide to become a peasant. You just are. Uh-huh. And so she kicks him out. But then Cusco comes in and is like, you shouldn't be holding court. That's my job. And he fires her. And I'm, I was, I literally was obsessed with how he fired her. He was like, she was, he was like, oh, by the way, you're fired. Like very casually. And she goes, what? And he goes, well, hold on. Let me find it. I have it right here. He goes, how else can I say it? You're being let go. Your department's being downsized. You're part of an outplacement. We're going with a different direction. We're not picking up your option. Take your pick. I got more. <laughs> I some of the, One of the things I love about this movie is it's obviously taking place a, a long time ago in the Inca Empire. But they bring in like a lot of modern... I don't even know jokes. Like that's obviously like a lot of workplace yeah. humor. And that was just funny to me. Like he had all those lines ready of you're being downsized. We're not going with your option. I don't know. I, I got a big kick out of that when he fired her. Mm-hmm. And that's where she comes up with the plot to kill him because she wants to rule over the Inca empire. Classic tale of someone always wants to be in charge. And there's always like an assassination, which it's funny. Cause this is like, for me, the G-rated version of an assassination plot, because originally her first idea is like, I'm going to turn him into a flea, and then I'll put the flea in a box, and then I'll put that box in a box, and then I'll <laughs> mail it to myself, and then I'm going to smash it with a hammer. Like, the, the, the step she took just to smash it with a hammer was so funny to me. Like, she goes, I'm going to mail the box to myself. Oh, my God. Like I said, I really think you and I could just look at this script, like from start to finish and be like, there's a joke, there's a joke, there's a joke, there's a joke. And so it is going to be hard for me, this podcast, not to just recite all the funny lines that were in the movie word for word. Yeah, it's more of a, a stack of jokes with a thin blanket of plot laid over it as yeah, opposed to yes. a thick plot with a thin blanket of jokes. Because the plot true. is, I mean, the plot is essentially he gets turned into a llama, taken to the village, and then they just make their way back to the palace. It's like, that's all it is. Point A to point B, back to point A. That's it. 
<laughs> yep, yep, yep. And there's just a, a million jokes in there. <laughs> yeah. No, there's not a lot of like intrigue, like character, like uh, dilemmas or whatever. It, it's just so funny. Well, let's talk about this dinner scene. I, I loved this dinner scene. <laughs> I actually think it was maybe one of my favorite parts of the whole movie where Krunk is more focused on the dinner. Like, I love that that's like his passion is he's like mm-hmm. the dinner and she's focusing on poisoning him and he goofs. He doesn't actually take poison. He takes extract of llama. But so Krunk messes up the poison and then he he turns Cusco into a llama. And the, just the whole dinner scene, like Krunk, when he's about to give the poison, is like, oh, my spinach puffs. And he takes off running. And there is just <laughs> the most awkward, weird, out of place line. Cusco goes he's a good guy. And she goes, yeah, yeah. And he goes, what is he like in his late twenties? She goes, I, I don't really know. And that's, the, that's, there's, a, there's nothing else to it. Crump comes back in after that. It's like, so like, what are you kidding me? <laughs> it's so funny. That's like that has no place in the movie. There's no it's place. It's not a joke, but it's so funny. It's not a joke. <laughs> oh, it's just classic, like, awkward banter with someone you don't really want to be hanging out with. Oh, my God. That was what I Kronk, wanted to hit on in the dinner scene. <laughs> Kronk has a, a great figure. He's built like a Transformer. But he's this gentle giant, you know? He loves yeah. cooking. He has a moral dilemma when he's sent to dispose of Cusco's body. And then he has the whole The llama dialogue. body. The llama body. Well, that's a funny... Yeah. So, yeah, after the failed assassin attempt, Kronk is supposed to dispose the body. And... He is like about to throw him in the water or he's about to let him go over a waterfall and he gets the classic devil and and angel on his shoulder and they get into such a funny argument. And I've realized this is like a popular meme now. And so the guy goes, the devil goes, I got two reasons why you should let Cusco fall over that waterfall. And his first reason is probably like a legit reason why he he's like, oh, he's your boss. And then he goes, and my second one, and watch this. And he starts doing just one handed push ups. And he goes, what does that have to do with anything? And the angel goes, no, no, he's got a point. (laughs) I'm not kidding. These are like genuinely some of the funniest things I have heard. I I paused the movie. Nikki was mad. I paused the movie when the, when the angel goes, no, no, he's got a point because I was, I was laughing too hard. I was like, I can't continue in this moment. I need to get my laughter out. I'm like, I'm giggling just thinking about it again. It's really funny. It's not just a movie that was made for like stupid kid humor. Like there's a distinct difference. Like this is very well written for, for it's a comedy. It's just flat out a comedy. Yeah. Kronk is definitely a scene stealer. He's uh, probably my favorite character in the whole thing. Easily. Definitely. I think there and he's was, got some good in him. Yeah. I think there was a sequel called like Kronk's new groove or something. Yeah. Was, I think like, it was like a direct to video to, or something. To, yeah. Yep. Yep. They also, like Lilo and Stitch, they had a TV show called the emperor's new school, I believe. Oh. Wasn't I, I didn't keep up with this one like I did the Lilo and Stitch the series, but it is something I I watched a bit of, and each episode is is honestly just a condensed version of the plot here. Isma or someone gets turned into a different animal, and they gotta turn them back. <laughs> so I was <laughs> the TV show is not worth like the rewatch, but yeah, it had it had a movie and it had a show after. I love that they in this era tried to spin off. Any movie into a TV any, show. Any, yeah. There was a Buzz Lightyear <laughs> show. There's a Hercules show. There was a Lilo and Stitch show. Everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
and I don't, I, I can't imagine David Spade and, and, and Pacha and, or excuse me, John Goodman came back for that show. I can't imagine they were shelling out money to get John Goodman to, to voice for like an after school cartoon block yeah. to compete against UPN 50. Like. <laughs> no, you bring up a good point. <laughs> oh man. I, like I said, I, I don't even know a plot wise. So Kronk is supposed to kill Cusco and he fails and uh, he gets put on the back of Pacha's cart. And Pacha's very mad with the emperor because the emperor is just going to demolish his home with zero remorse, which mm-hmm. uh, br- bringing it to like a serious topic. W- when I uh, took my real estate license exam, the government can do that. The government can come <laughs> to your home and be like, hey, we're going to give you X number of dollars for it, and it's ours now. And it does not need to be market value. They can just do that. And then they build like airports or roads or whatever uh-huh. they need to. And so while it does seem like a little outlandish that Cusco's being so uh, unsympathetic uh, to others, this is this is something that does happen to people. <laughs> it's like a real problem. Well, that's a, a downer of a note. Yeah, what? let's get back to the funny stuff. <laughs> I do like Potch's characterization, and it's all—it's almost someone could not have written it better that Pacha is this good man, and he's voiced by John Goodman. Like, <laughs> and that's how you like that's—that's that's what John Goodman oh, embodies. Is just that's like really good. The heartwarming the good father figure. That's it's too good. perfect. You couldn't write it any <laughs> it's better. Too, it's too on the nose. Yeah, I really like Pacha. He is, I guess, probably the the straight man of the of the whole series. And he does a great mm-hmm. job because, like you said, you sympathize with him. You really like him throughout the whole throughout the whole movie. And I think and he, he, tries, he tries is to like Cusco how to be a good person, and he's really invested in it up until like that point where they're at the bridge. He's like, I would have hoped that you had changed by this point, but but they, he hadn't. Yes. Yet. No, I think that's what a really good point is. He is invested in the growth of the emperor. Yes, for his own means of hopefully not demolishing his home, but you know, at the same time, it just shows how much he cares, and you you get that in every one of his scenes, every one of his lines. Something we did skip over, which I would be very remiss if I did not mention, is when Krunk and Isma go to make the poison. They go to her secret lab, and she goes, "Pull the lever, Krunk." I mean, this is like a joke that has withstood the test of time. She goes, "Pull the lever, Krunk," and then she, it's a trap door, and she goes, "Wrong lever." <laughs> and then she comes back up and she goes, why do we even have that lever? It's just, it's so good because it's a joke and there is some uh, like, some like goofiness, dumbness to it. Oh, it'd be silly that they keep a trap door lever next to the one that takes them to the secret lab. But she instantly gets back up and addresses the stupidity of the lever. It's like really funny to me. This movie is very self-aware. It is mm-hmm. probably one of the first like children movies that is a little meta. It's got a narrator who breaks the fourth wall quite a lot. There's absurd things that happen, but the characters will also recognize the absurdity of it, even if it's like happening. Yeah, there's that bit where once Pacha discovers Cusco back at his village, Cusco like stops as a the llama, movie and he's as a llama. He, he yeah. stops the movie and is like, "Hold on, I'm over here. This movie's about me." <laughs> He crosses He's out in the bag. Pasha and like yeah. scribbles him out. 
<laughs> it's so funny. That's what I'm saying. It's like little moments like that. It does nothing for the plot. It does very little for like character development. We already know Cusco's self-centered and like all about himself, but it's just, it's just a gag. It's a gag for a gag's sake. And it, it, I appreciate that. So that TikTok that you sent me, basically the, the condensed version of like the production turmoil was like, so it, started out as this other thing that was more of a textbook Disney thing. And then Disney was worried because some of the criticism that they got was that they're only putting out these romantic cartoon Mm -hmm. musical, whatever. And they were a one note studio. And so they went back to the drawing board and they essentially had like, like a bake off with different teams of animators. (laughs) They would pitch different (laughs) versions of the story and that really, really comes through in how you see the script. It's all about being funny, and it is very, yes. very good. Yeah, and I, I just can't understate it enough, like, how many jokes just fly through this movie. Like you said, like, the jokes are not plot relevant, and somehow we get these little plot points from just them constantly joking. We meet, so we're back in the village. As as Cusco has pointed out, he is still like knocked out in the bag in the back of Pacha's truck, not truck, a cart. And we meet Pacha's family. And, you know, I didn't look this up, but his wife's voice sounded very familiar. Is she anyone famous? Yeah, voiced by Wendy Malick, who is probably most recognizable as a character on Frasier, I believe. I don't know. Oh, okay. Yes. Name. Yeah, I didn't watch much of Frasier. I maybe have honestly only seen a couple episodes, but that is a very popular show. But her voice sounded so familiar. Let's see. So she played Ronnie Lawrence on the final season of Frasier. Mm, yeah, see, I don't I don't think that's how I would know her. Anyways. Gail, Gail Buchanan on Baywatch. That's even older. <laughs> that's even old. Yeah, I don't know. She's got a, a standout voice. I really enjoyed it, if I'm being honest. She's pregnant. She's, she's coming along, and they have two kids already. And the kids are quite a delight. The, qu- the kids are pretty funny. They don't do a whole lot in this opening scene. But when they're jumping rope with Krunk later on, I, I always think that's really funny. The kids are cute. Randomly, the the squirrel that Kronk talks to is voiced by a guy named Bob Bergen, who is the current voice of Porky Pig. And it's, it's not a talking squirrel. It's literally just a squirrel. So the fact that they the have like a very seasoned voice actor doing a squirrel, I guess you need like squeak, squeak, the big squeak, guns. squeak. Also, another great Kronk moment. He can speak squirrel and he like does it so formally where the squirrel's like, and like, Crumb's like, squeakity squeak, does, squeak, squeak, squeaker, squeak, squeak. I guess that squirrel does sound like Porky the Pig, like the way you just yeah. said it. <laughs> My impersonation of the squirrel reminded you of Porky Pig. Man, yeah. And so Cusco wakes up and him and Pacha have a confrontation. And he's like, I love it. Such an emperor thing. Cusco, the emperor, goes, all right, well, take me back to the palace. Just like blindly, like you drop everything you're doing and return me to my home. And I love Pacha in this moment. He goes, no, not until you agree to like, he, he, he realizes he has some leverage, which I think like most peasants would be so terrified to like leverage even a, a llama emperor. And Pacha seizes this opportunity 
And Cusco being the dick he is, like crosses his hooves when he makes the deal. Like, all right, if you take me home, I'm not going to demolish your town and build my second home on it. And that starts their pilgrimage back to the palace. They run into the the Pumas or they Jaguars. That's the first thing they do. And uh, this is just such a great, funny line. They get, because Pacha comes swinging in on a vine, he grabs Cusco. Well, to be fair, the first time he misses Cusco and the, the the Jaguars just like stare him down. And once again, another thing that was not like that funny, but I like hysterically laughed at when he missed Cusco the first time. Like his dramatic entrance was like to save him. And then he just whoop, swings by him by accident. And then he gets him on the way back and they get like wrapped around this branch and the branch breaks off and they are like now in the river. And so Cusco's back. They're like back to back almost. And so Cusco can't see what's in front of them. And Pacha goes, oh no. And Cusco goes, don't tell me. We're about to fall over a giant waterfall. Pacha goes, (laughs) yeah. Large spiky rocks down at the bottom. Most likely. He just goes, bring it on. Like, I I don't know how to describe just the charm the two of these, the banter these two have. Like, they've got a good uh, chemistry. You know what? I think part of what it is is these are like comedians. You know, David Spade is. Even if you don't like him, he's he's a comedian. He's a funny dude. Same with John Goodman. And I think that that shows in their comedic timing and and what have you. My favorite bit in their journey back is at the restaurant. Can we? Oh, 100%. This is probably like the most jokes. This is when I'm thinking like joke after joke after joke. The, The whole scene here in the restaurant is great. Pacha and Cusco stop in to get a meal. Before they even step in there, one, as Kronk and Yzma set out to find the emperor, he's got her on in that, like, I don't know what you call it, the little cart thing, but it's his like little on, backpack on his, back. on his cart. Yeah. <laughs> and he's it's running so with funny. Him. It would be like four people would normally carry something yeah. like that, but it's just Kronk. And then it cuts right to. Pacha carrying Cusco. <laughs> Pacha says, <laughs> so low blood sugar, huh? Cusco's like, yeah. Goes, yeah, it's a curse. <laughs> so that's why they're going to the restaurant. And of course, the, the restaurant has a big old sign out front, just no llamas. <laughs> Classic plot point. I guess it'd be like a no dog sign in restaurants yeah. nowadays. But like, so they got to disguise him as a woman. And they just fi- oh, like <laughs> Pacha's fiance. They're on their honeymoon. Yes, they're on their honeymoon, and they do a good job selling it. I love the diner lady though. Like she is not Incan Peruvian at all. Like she's just straight Jersey accent. <laughs> <laughs> so by happenstance, both parties end up at this restaurant. And first, Cusco goes into the kitchen to, complain to talk to the chef. He literally is like, Cusco. "I'm going to go talk to the chef." Such a goddamn boomer thing to do. Kronk mm-hmm. ends up in the kitchen as well. And then he just like, <laughs> the cook quits one because everyone's complaining to him. And then Kronk yeah. just assumes the role <laughs> just, of diner chef. <laughs> yeah, she does the, the very complicated order. The The best part of this bit was when Yzma's like changing her order. And she goes, can I get the potatoes on the side? He goes, I'm going to have to charge you extra. He just starts taking his job. <laughs> uber seriously like from the jump he's been maybe five minutes on the clock and it's yeah it was like <laughs> such a funny but nice touch and i think this is this scene in particular is like a great example of what we're talking about just the comedic timing this one is it's fast they bounce off mm-hmm. each other and it's just it's really well done 
Cusco and Isma are literally going through a revolving door, so they're not directly just running missing into each, each other. other, revolving in and out, changing their orders, complaining to the chef because they're both divas. And, and it comes <laughs> together like a symphony. Like they don't miss a beat at all. It's just spin no. joke, spin joke, and then patches under the table. It it just comes yeah. together so perfectly. It does. Like for a podcast format, unless we were to like recite it line for line, it would be kind of hard to like show the just like how great this scene really is. It's part visual, it's part speedy comedy. It's it's really good. And I just I think the takeaway for me is like I love Krunk's dedication to a job he just got. Like, I don't know why it's so funny to me. Granted, he's a very dedicated guy. He will do like anything for Yzma. And he just picks up this new job at the tire. And like I said, when he goes, I'm going to have to charge you extra for that. Like, I lost it. I, I can't describe to you how funny that was in that moment. Yeah, this moment for me was like, God damn, this is this movie is comedic goal. Like, this is. Yes, the, I'm so this glad scene you was you, the highlight of the movie. I'm so glad you you because like you, when I suggested it to you, you, you did not seem high on it. I, I don't even super, think you actually responded. I, was super I think, skeptical. and that's how skeptical. I know that's how I know you're not into it when you don't say like yes or no, like you just ignore it completely. And so <laughs> after this, they they part ways because it's just so funny to me. Cusco gets mad at Pacha because Pacha's like the, those two are here, and Cusco's like, oh my god, they can take me back to the. To the empire, or they can take me back to the castle. Mm-hmm. And he's like, no, 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 no. They're trying to kill you. They said they turned you into a llama, and he doesn't believe him. And I feel like in a normal Disney movie, like Cusco would have went off with them, but he literally, like, no more than five seconds later, like rolls up on them and just hears them like talking mad shit about him. <laughs> he's like, ah, we need to kill him. And he's like, oh no. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. It was really funny to me that like Cusco was so right in his ways one second, and then l- Ten seconds later is proven wrong. Yeah, they almost set it no, up like it would build up that suspense, but they like nip it at the bud and and don't let that tension build because it doesn't serve any comedic purpose at all. Yeah, and so we have the a scene where he talks to the chipmunk. We missed that, or we we, we passed over that, and then. So Krunk and Yzma are camping out in the middle of the night and Yzma has the largest tent ever and Krunk only has a tent that covers like just his waist literally, and not even his feet, <laughs> not his legs. He might as well be sleeping on the floor. It's just the smallest tent. And then out of the blue, this is just another great part. Out of the blue, he wakes from his slumber. I'm pretty sure he's snoring. He wakes up and he goes, oh, that man at the diner, he didn't pay his tab. It's just—it's so funny. One, Uh him taking that job too seriously again, and then two, like you think he's gonna put together, like, oh my god, that was the man who took Cusco off in his car, which I guess he does, like ten seconds later. But I Mm -hmm. love—you know what? All comedy is, and I've always said this: all comedy is—is whoa. I didn't expect you to say that. And there's like varying degrees of that. There's like, whoa, Mm -hmm. I didn't expect you to say that. Or like, whoa, I didn't expect you to say that. Both of those (laughs) are comedy. But this movie is so good at like the bait and switch, if you know what I mean. You think they're about to say or do one thing. And then, no, it's just not that at all. And it's just, it's so well done. It's it's really good at setting your expectations up for, oh, he's going to put together Pacha. Nope, he's just mad that he didn't pay his tab. Yeah, it, what it is is like you, you think that they lean so far in one direction that you think the joke is going that way that they're just going to like punch you in the face directly with that punchline. But yeah. no, it's like they just push you over 
more in that direction. <laughs> and, like, you're right. It's the analogy doesn't funny. quite track, but it's no. like they just like <laughs> push you and you fall over, and it's fucking hilarious. And I don't know how else to put it. It is. It's really good. But so essentially, once he realizes Yzma's the one that turned him into a llama, he's like, okay, we need to get back to the castle. We need to go check out Yzma's secret lab. I love that. Like he knows about it. He's like, in, in like air quotes, he's like secret lab. This is when we get into maybe the dumbest slash funniest bit. Like, so if you take like, if it's like a, a Y and an X axis, of really good comedy versus like a dumb joke, if those are the two axes, this is all the way in the upper right. It's the <laughs> map bit where the two, where Cusco and, and Pacha are running and they're leaving behind like those red dots on the map. And they sh- and mm-hmm. then like literally Yzma and Krunk are following those red dots. And it just, I don't even know how to describe it. I, I have such a vivid memory of watching this in a theater though with my father. Just the scene where the dots are going literally every which way all over the map, not even in a correct direction or a right direction. And Krunk and, or excuse me, I keep mixing them up. Uh, Cusco and Pacha get there first, but then Yzma and Krunk are like there. And they are like, wait, how did we get here before you? Like, and Krunk pulls up the map. He goes, I don't know. By all accounts, it doesn't make any sense. Because, like, they fall down while they got... Like, it's just, <laughs> like I said, anytime something really absurd happens, they will reference how absurd it is that it happens. But essentially, they get back to the castle. And this is another great bit. So they're trying to get into the secret lab. But we only see Cusco coming up with, like, the alligator bit him, where he's all wet. And the only bit of the joke we get is, why do they even have that lever? Which it's just like a, a callback to the early joke where she's like, <laughs> wrong lever! And it's just so well done because they don't need to hit you over the head with like the whole bit of Cusco falling through the trap door. You just get the end little bit of him coming back up soaking wet. And he's like, why do they even have that lever? It's just, it's, <laughs> it's really good. It's like top notch. It's top notch comedy, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it is a lot smarter. Even though it's like dumb humor, it's a lot smarter and yeah. like wittier than it needs to be. Yes, but uh, ready for this? No, no, no. But I think this is actually something we revere in the cartoons that you and I watch that like started this podcast, The Adventure Time, The Steven Universe, The Rick and Morty. Like they will go to extremes to make a really dumb joke, but then in the same breath, make an extremely thought-provoking joke. You know what I mean? It's it's the two extremes. I think it's it's the pendulum. Yeah, yeah. If you're gonna do like a really absurd joke, you need like a top notch joke to to balance it out. And uh-huh. this movie really hits those beats well. I, I think what we're getting at is that you, the the craft of comedy in this movie comes through so well. Which I mean, we're both huge fans of comedy in general. Ready for this? I bet you there's people there's people out there that would be like, nah. I'm not that big on comedy. And those are people I don't want to know. I prefer a documentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But so, okay, okay. So we're back. <laughs> Sorry, that was good. That was funny. Um, <laughs> we're back. <laughs> you all right? I don't know. That was funny. Why'd you make it British? <laughs> like, <laughs> Felt right. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. I'm trying to get back on track. Um... i'm back i'm back where are we in the movie (laughs) so they get down to the secret lab and 
Yzma has like a million vials that which like why do you need this many potions to turn people into animals? She literally probably has like fifty that'll. And I guess that's the plot of the TV series, so it's important. <laughs> but they decide they they don't have enough time to try to. Oh my god, another hilarious joke! Yzma is like confronting them, and oh my god. Okay, wait, I gotta look this one up because it's too good to butcher. Okay, I got it right here. So. Cusco goes, I can't believe this is happening. And Yzma goes, I bet you weren't expecting this. And she pulls up her dress a little bit. And Cusco and Pacha scream at the top of their lungs in fear. And then she pulls up her skirt just a little bit more to reveal a knife. And the two of them let out a huge sigh of relief. They were scared that she was going to like try to seduce them. I don't even know. Like she was going <laughs> to flash them. I, I don't even know where I'm at. So they're like turning into a bunch of different animals with these potions. They're looking for the one that'll turn them back into a human. All of the guards are under Yzma's control at this point because Cusco has been declared dead. And so they all turn into animals and she's like, get them. And one of them goes, I've been turned into a cow. Can I have the rest of the day off? And she goes, yes, you you may be excused. Another one of those just jokes that does not, I don't get it. I don't understand it at all, but I laughed hysterically. I was like, what is this? Why is this in the movie still? I think they <laughs> they always pull you out of the action before yes. anything, before the ball rolls too far down the hill. They'll like pull you out of it a little bit. Yes. Any chase, any sort of, you mm-hmm. know, get them moment. They need like a, a joke to bring it back. Like, hey, hey, this is still a comedy, though, guys. You still laughing? <laughs> we're, we're laughing. Yeah. You guys laughing? I, I do feel like we should maybe cover the the little bit of character development that Cusco does go through because we have just like skipped over <laughs> yeah. all of it. But so when they're going on this journey back from point A to point B, or excuse me, from point B back to the palace, point A. Cusco along the way, like, learns, like, human decent. He saves Pacha's life mm-hmm. at one point. Whereas if he let Pacha die, he, he would have had his summer home no problem well, at all. <laughs> well, hold up. It, it all happens in, like, the span of two minutes. First, he's about <laughs> to let Pacha die. And then he's put into a life-threatening situation as well. They do. They do it twice Pacha. where they, they go back to back and they link arms mm-hmm. and they, like, push each other up. one it's like a symbolization of teamwork because if one's pushing too hard they they mess it up i guess my question is as a kid i like really thought this would be possible do do you think you and me could link back to back arm to arm and like climb out of a crevice like this wall yeah (laughs) okay i think as a a kid i remember straining than anything (laughs) (laughs) Well, I know we wouldn't be able to do the part where he like extends his llama neck and and like gets John good or gets Pacha up to the the point they need. But yeah, I mean, this is a symbolization of their teamwork working together to save each other. And then they do it again at the end to get the the vial that'll turn him back into a human, which when they're down to the last vial, when it's Cat Yzma and and Cusco fighting over it, there is like six different points where like one of them has it and loses it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Where it looks <laughs> yeah. like it's over. Like Cusco got the bottle. Oh no, he dropped it. Oh no. Yzma got the bottle. Oh, crunk opens a window and he goes, who would have thought this window takes me? He, like just another dumb joke. It was like rolling around and oh my God, another one. Yzma falls off the top of this tower and down at the bottom, there's a, <laughs> there's a guard delivery. who just goes, 
He goes, I don't know who told you this, but we did not order any trampolines. Get it out of here. And it's just like, of course, in the perfect spot for Yzma. <laughs> the delivery guy goes, you could have told me that before I set the whole thing up. <laughs> and then <laughs> so Yzma funny. falls into it and launches It's so guy. funny. It's like... <laughs> It's so it's like such an unnecessary joke bit, whatever you want to call it. And it's like, it's good. It's really good. It's I love it too, because it's like, so Yzma's falling and then it cuts to this trampoline and you're like, okay, she's going to bounce off this trampoline. But they have 15 to 20 seconds of dialogue where you're just yeah. waiting. Like, you know what the punchline <laughs> is and you're just waiting for it to happen. It's good. It's good writing. It's really good writing, like you said. The plot's lost at this point. He turns back into a human and builds a hill on the the, he he builds a pool on the hill right next to Pachi's village. Just just another classic Cusco moment. And this is why I say he only gained like a little bit of human decency. Is like he's Mm -hmm. not man enough to just be like, Pacha, you saved my life. I'm gonna honor our deal and I'm not gonna knock down your village. He has to be like well, you lied to me. I was on those hills, buddy. I didn't hear any singing whatsoever. He can't just straight up be like, hey, you, oh, I'm going to do you a solid. He's got to, it like has to be his own thing and own doing as to why he's not building there. And, you know, luckily John Goodman is such a good man. Otherwise, like no one would be friends with Cusco still after that. Like <laughs> people would be like, screw you, buddy. Like, thanks for not knocking down my home. But can't you just admit I saved your goddamn life? And you know, he's not able to to honor their deal. Even though he does honor the deal, he can't just say it straight up. I am just looking at the Wikipedia page at the box yeah, office reception. So I guess, you know, it didn't do as well as they wanted it to at the box office. But apparently it was up against what women want. Dude, where's my car? And how the Grinch stole Christmas. At least two of those. Three, maybe, if you consider what women want, are like that was the opening weekend for it. That's insane. That's a lot of like. I get what you're saying. Is it had stiff competition? It it had stiff competition. I don't know if they all opened on that weekend, but that's what was out. I got you. That was what was out at the time. I mean, dude, where's my cars? I don't want to say a classic, but that was a big movie back then. And if is it the Jim Carrey How the Grinch Stole Christmas? Yep, the Jim Carrey. That was a huge movie. And it's Christmas yeah. time. Who's not going to go see a Christmas movie around Christmas time? I saw this in theaters, though. When I was watching it this this week, I I had distinct flashback memories of me being in a theater as a child laughing. I mean, so, yeah, the reason I was looking at it, this did get an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a solid. That's that's good. A good score. That's a good rating. This yes. is a good movie. The, the humor holds up, which I was super skeptical of. <laughs> I know. Um, like almost up until that restaurant scene, I was like, uh, I, this is fun. This is a little Looney Tunesy with all like the visual gags. But if you pay attention to the, the dialogue and the script and the pacing, it is very, very tight, comedic yeah. craft like and said, work. Like, they did it in a short is, amount of time, too. It's not like they, they slogged on minutes. with this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so impressive. Um, I, I... You know, a lot of things we cover, I like to say I would recommend this to anyone, but I literally would be like, someone's like, oh, I'm trying to watch a movie tonight. I'm I'm going to be like, you should watch The Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> yeah, that was like the amount of convincing I needed was like, you you recommended it. And I was like, uh, uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But no, I was shocked me. because I, and you know, I'll be honest, you didn't tell me till we were on this podcast that it was the TikTok that actually 
convinced you, but I was very surprised because you didn't even acknowledge when I suggested it. And then <laughs> I was hoping just like a guess. few days later, yeah, there's a few days later, you're like, all right, we can cover the Emperor's New Groove. And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah. And so I didn't know you went through that whole journey of like being staunchly against it, seeing the TikTok and being like, yeah. fine, and then watching it and enjoying it. So I, I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you went, went on that journey. Yeah. So something like Lilo and Stitch, where it's like, you know, this is a great family movie. You should absolutely like watch it for nostalgic reasons. Watch it if you have kids. I, I don't, this is not. I mean, it is a, a PG I, family movie, but like it is a. I would a recommend this. I would, recommend, it. I would yeah. recommend this over Lilo and Stitch. I enjoyed Lilo and Stitch, but this. Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding, Evan. I was laughing so hard, and I I, I knew it was funny because I, I I had seen it since 2000, but. I just I did not remember it being just as laugh out loud funny as it as it was at points. Yeah, I guess I got to give it to you. Good, solid recommendation. I should have listened to you sooner. Yeah, I don't know. What, do you have any other thoughts on on my, my only closing thought would be like this nostalgic kick we're on is really interesting to me, and I think I kind of hit a, a little bit of it just shortly ago. Lilo and Stitch, I enjoyed watching that. I, I, I wouldn't watch it, you know, maybe for another couple years or whatever. I would watch it with a kid. If a kid was like, oh, I've never seen this movie, I would watch it with them. I would watch this again. I, I legit, like in <laughs> six months from now, if I'm bored and can't find anything to watch, there's part of me that thinks like, oh shit, I should just throw on the Emperor's New Groove again. Like this was really <laughs> funny. I, I, and I think yeah. if I watched it again, I would pick up on jokes I missed this viewing. Probably, like even you, yeah. you, you brought up some things that I had missed. And I just, I, I think it really holds up. I think of this nostalgia kick that we are on, this was, a li- we struck gold a little bit with this one. Like, like I said, I knew it was funny, but I didn't remember it was as funny as it really was. And so I'm glad we watched it and covered it. Cause I mean, I, I was laughing while I was watching. I've been laughing throughout this podcast. I had a laugh attack. I, I, I think we like paused for a minute of just me laughing about like, I don't like this has been a good time talking about it. And yes. I, I can't recommend this movie enough. If, if you're just listening to this and haven't watched it in years, really sit down and, and give it a watch. It's, it's short. You, it won't take up a lot of your time. And I promise you, you'll enjoy it. You'll feel like you, it was time well spent. Yeah, I got to hand it to you for the wreck. I got to begrudgingly hand it to David Spade, even though I'm not his biggest fan. <laughs> this, is, this, this might be the best thing he's ever done. This, yeah, this David Spade's going to be so offended. He's, we're like, best <laughs> thing he's ever been in. I've never understood the David Spade hype. I've never understood. <laughs> okay, you're going to question Chris Farley's taste in comedy? Come on. That man is considered probably the funniest man. That man is probably considered the funniest man ever. And he thought David Spade was funny enough to be in like three or four different movies with him. Sure. Well, what is David Spade's (laughs) track record since? Joe Dirt. Grown ups. Grown ups. Joe Dirt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. What else is he in? Can you look up what's his most recent thing besides Bachelor in Paradise? Dave Chappelle. It was a Netflix comedy. With Lauren Lapkus, I want to say. Oh, I like Lauren Lapkus. I think he also has a variety show on NBC. I don't know what it's called, but. I mean, he's fine. It's not like he's hurting for work or money. He has the showbiz show with David Spade. Oh, I know what it is. It's called The Wrong Missy. 
Oh, yep. it, that's a funny movie. That is a funny movie. You should watch that, Evan. That's a funny movie. What I was about to just say is we've been on this trend of like when we finish recording these podcasts, we are just like devolve into like nothing. Like, what are we even talking about right now? <laughs> Wrong, Missy. After you watch Emperor's New Groove, go watch the Netflix original movie, The Wrong Missy. It was one that I like threw on like as background noise when it came out. And me and my cousin Katie laughed hysterically. It's Lauren Lapkus is the real star of that movie. And it was so funny. I showed my mom and my my mom is like a tough crowd. And Mm -hmm. she thought it was hilarious too. There's like some really shocking, funny moments. You know what I mean? Like I was just like, oh, I'm not a huge uh, David. I, I sound like I'm a huge David Spade fan, but I promise you I'm not. Like you're a huge David. Spade. <laughs> I swear, I swear, he's just all right. I, I, I love okay, Dave Chappelle. I plugged, I plugged David Spade. This is a mark against him. I plugged David Spade into Google. Top stories, Fox News, Variety headlines along the lines of David Spade talks about the dangers of cancel culture for comedians. Uh, like, come yikes. on, bro. Hate it. Get the fuck out of here. Hate it. David's yeah, day. all right. That knocks him down like 17,000 pegs <laughs> in my book. Yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. I, th- uh, that's like such a... I, why are there so many washed up comedians that are like, oh, that cancel culture though. It's like, no, you're just not funny anymore. Your shit's Yeah, you're, you're... Yes, that's... Your shit Get is dated. Get with the times. Yeah. Okay, well, screw you, David Spade. Good movie, but screw you. <laughs> I think that'll do it for this episode. (laughs) go. My name's Evan. And my name is Alex. We definitely missed a lot of good jokes in this movie, but I just don't think we could comb through all of it and and go back. It's done. Funny movie. Go watch it. Funny movie. This has been Alex. We're wrapping up here. (laughs) (laughs) We'll catch you next time. Uh, Thank you. Subscribe. Leave us a review. Please. Yeah. No. Oh, wait. Yeah. We're not done. Like, subscribe, comment, (laughs) reach out to us. Tell us what you think. I forgot. We got to start doing that all the time. Thanks, guys. Thank you, everyone.